Last but not least, Andrew. Almost every time Andrew opens his mouth, some God slips out. And it's just long overdue to get him up here sharing. So, Lord, we thank you for Andrew. Thank you for the well that's inside of him. Lord, we just receive him now in the name of Jesus. Good morning, everyone. And um, when you try to wrap your head around who God is, what he wants you to do, um, he's got a funny way of orchestrating things. <clears throat> Coming back to the others, understanding that his ways are higher than our ways, as his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when I got, you know, asked to do this, my response to Travis was, God's got it. There's nothing that I have to worry about. <clears throat> God talked to, uh, spoke to Moses you know, as he argued with God about going and uh, saving the Israelites in Egypt. <clears throat> God, I, I, I am not a man of eloquent speech. I fumble over my words. Some say that Moses had a speech impediment. Go, open your mouth, and I will put my words in your mouth. I will put my words in your mouth, and you will speak on behalf of me, and you will say what I want you to say. Huh. Everything that I was going to talk about this morning has already been said. Starting with God is good. All the time. Right? God is good. God is good all of the time. He is never not good. <clears throat> but the word that came to me was restoration. And, and, and what is everything that Buck just talked about? Restoration. In creation... At the end of every day, God looked at what he had done and said, this is good. This is good. But he also knew that he had someone that would come up against every good thing he had done and try his best to unravel all the good things he has done. So that put him in another mode. I will restore. I will restore everything that I created that was good. Good. <clears throat> 
And like Buck was explaining, we all have a story. Some of us lived lives that did not involve waywardness, darkness, and a life separated from the Lord. But God has marked every one of you. God has placed his seal on every one of you. And there's nothing you can do to remove that seal other than say no and walk away. Today is Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in the celebration of Jesus walking into Jerusalem, we also know that Jesus lamented. He lamented over Jerusalem. And it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. So amidst the celebration, it was also sorrow. Because what they couldn't see was the judgment that was to come because of their rejection of Jesus. Even in that. Restoration was coming. A week later, Jesus would be crucified, hung on a cross. He would die. He would be buried. And on the third day, he would rise. Restoration. Restoring what had been lost in the garden. putting back in motion God's plan for all of those he created, for all those he desired to spend all of eternity with, had given them an option, a way to get back. I have my story. I have had um, many wayward moments. You know, being a drummer. You know, I started in fifth grade in orchestra, you know, and uh, played orchestra through sixth, seventh grade, then dropped off. You know, life, life, Started getting crazy. Um, you know, I was one of six. Grew up playing 
baseball, basketball, football. But got attached to this worldly concept of rock and roll. <clears throat> Look at the rock stars. They're traveling. They got money. They got stuff. Lies, deception. I can't tell you, you know, um, the depth of the deception. And in that, God said, it's not going to happen. I'm going to take you out of this because I have marked you. And you are not. I am not going to let you be taken down that path to that day when Jesus separates the goats from the lambs. I'm going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So in rededicating my life to the Lord, you know, he moved me off of Long Island, moved me down into Georgia, then moved me up here into Wilmington. And uh, he said, you are going to serve me. And I remember in a reading out of Our Daily Bread, um, a little ditty that read something like this. What shall I give to the master, the one who from sin has set me free? I will give him a lifetime of service to thank him for dying for me. Restoration is a process. It's growing as we allow the Lord to move in our lives. As we surrender, submit, and really come to the understanding of not my will be done, but your will be done. And the transformation that comes about ultimately brings glory to the Father because it's certainly not about me. It's not about any of us, any of us here on earth. The word is filled with stories in Jesus' lifetime ministry of restoration, of healing, of uh, restoring, setting people free. And like Buck said, you know, what was, it might have been even Travis, <clears throat> but it comes out of the word. After the healing, after being set free, what was Jesus' instructions? Go tell them. Go tell them what I did for you. That's our calling. That's everybody in this room. I heard a song yesterday. Go tell the world about him. That's our mission. You know, Paul underwent, Paul underwent quite a transformation. <clears throat> 
Everybody knows how much I appreciate Oswald Chambers. It is, he was an amazing man, a man sold out for the Lord and had such revelation of God's understanding that the road, of the, the road to Damascus changed everything from him. Today's reading out of the Oswald Chambers book is The glory that's unsurpassed, the Lord Jesus has sent me that you may receive your sight out of Acts. There are a couple books that I'm going to read stuff out of because its application is to the restoration uh, of our lives and the calling that God has placed upon us to move in uh what he has called us to do. When Paul received his sight, he also received spiritual insight into the person of Jesus Christ. His entire life and preaching from that point on were totally consumed with nothing but Jesus Christ. For I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul never again allowed anything to attract and to hold the attention of his mind and soul, except the face of Jesus Christ. We must learn to maintain a strong degree of character in our lives, even to the level that has been revealed in our vision of Jesus Christ. The lasting characteristic of a spiritual man is the ability to understand correctly the meaning of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life and the ability to explain the purpose of God to others. The overruling passion of his life is Jesus Christ. Whenever you see this quality in a person, you get the feeling that he is truly a man after God's own heart. Never allow anything to divert you from your insight into Jesus Christ. It is the true test of whether you are spiritual or not. To be unspiritual means that other things have a growing fascination for you. Since my eyes have looked on Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So enchained my spirit's vision, gazing on the crucified. The calling is there. What's left is the decision to answer the call to walk in what God has called you to, being faithful to the one who is faithful to you. He does not turn his back on you. In fact, you know, he leaves 99 to just seek you out, to find you, to say, hey, come on. We got things to do. We got people to talk to. We got lives that need to be changed. This morning's worship, and and we've been experiencing tremendous moves of the Holy Spirit. And I'll step back and say, if you don't know that intimacy, if you couldn't feel what was going on here, ask. God, God wants to share himself with you more more than you are able to comprehend. It takes dedication. It takes quiet, alone time. This corporate time of worship where we all together 
feel him, sense him, know his love, know how much he cares for everyone here, for all that he has created. The word says he is patient. He's not about to bring forth judgment because he wants everyone to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But corporate time where we experience the Lord is one part. The other part is our quiet time with him, our alone time. You know, as a husband and a wife know intimacy with each other, through the years they get to know each other and there's a bond so does that father so does our father want that closeness it's up to you to give it to him because he wants it for you he wants to spend time with you restoration time of growth going out you don't necessarily be, need to be a Billy Graham. You know, there's a scripture I, I, I live by, and uh, it's Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. If you know and you trust him every day, he's got his day. He's got your day already worked out. Every step you take, every move you make, not the police. <laughs> but yes, he is watching. He's watching you because he cares for you. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, they're for good. They're not for evil. They're to give you a hope and a future. To prosper you. And prosperity, not in the sense necessarily of money, large houses, boats, fill in the blank. Prosperity in the relationship with him, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Wealth this world does not understand. You know, so many people said Jesus lived in the upside down world. Contradiction. Jesus' world was right side up. Everything that we see in this realm is upside down. But we know he's coming. You know, you almost think that everything that we've seen in the past two years <clears throat> and how it has picked up speed, you would say, revelation. Wow, Jesus must be coming soon. But even Jesus said, I don't know what time. Only the Father knows. But to live with expectancy to live in such a manner that we're always looking for him 
we're always connected to him. And that this world does not shake us. It doesn't move us. We live in the strength and the joy of his kingdom. You know, I read, <clears throat> excuse me, um, New, New International Version Men's Bible. It's a devotional Bible. Um, it has devotions that are geared towards giving men understanding on what it means to be a man of God. But, you know, the application certainly crosses over to people, men and women, children as they grow and they learn. And I, I and I, I I'm pretty much gonna finish with this unless the Lord puts more words in my mouth. because um, he certainly has freedom to do that. Um, that's just Way I am. Um, but the title of this reading um, is called The Sheltered Man. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this pertains to just men, but in contrast to the frustrated man who would like to run away from his responsibilities stands the redeemed man who feels safe and secure. He can be a shelter to others because he himself is sheltered. He is not afraid, even at times, if he should lose or suffer defeat. He simply gets up again and keeps going on. He is a man who has accepted himself not only with his strengths, but also with his weaknesses. His secret? He, know, he knows he has been accepted by the Heavenly Father. We all have been accepted by the Heavenly Father. He has a roof over his head. He knows where, where his home is. He has a place where he can put his feet under the table. He can say with the psalmist, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He can say, you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. This is the longing of all mankind, to have security, to know where one's place is. God created man, and then he created a place for him, the Garden of Eden. When man lost God, he lost that same place, same time, his place. Since then, the longing for a place where he belongs, where he feels at home, is in the heart, that vacuum shaped, that place in our heart that only God can fill. Is in the heart of every human being. Those who have not found a place the uprooted eternal gypsies will find a place nowhere. 
not even in marriage. On the other hand, those who have found a place, married, unmarried, will be able to become a place where the others feel at home, thus filling one of the deepest needs of our time. In light of this, Jesus promises to prepare a place for us is filled with new meaning. Those who have found him have found their place. The redeemed man is a whole man. He is whole first of all because he belongs to a family, the family of God. God is his father, makes him one with his sons. He is a whole man because he feels worthy. Christ died to give him birth and therefore he can take as his own the worthiness of Christ. He is a whole man because he feels competent. This competence comes from the Holy Spirit. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Life is a journey, and it can be filled with awe and wonder. When God comes first, everything else falls in place. So like Buck, <clears throat> excuse me again, um, you know, God's stories. We all have a story. We all have redemption. We all have a responsibility to share that. Because when we share what God has done for us, you may not know it. The person next to you might be going through something that you're not aware of. And because of your testimony, Holy Spirit might be touching their heart and the words that come out of your mouth confirms what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. Bringing understanding and revelation. Wow. I need that. I need what he's talking about. Hence the door opens up. Responsibility. Restoration, responsibility. So I just... um, encourage you all know your calling know your story and share it